Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for beginners. Weekend watch list. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Elio D'Amato. G'day, Elio. Yeah, g'day, Phil. Always a pleasure to be on. And we're going to be talking today about John's Ling Group, ASX code JLG, and that's uh, John's Ling, L-Y-N-G. That's right, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. And uh, look, I think I'll start by this by asking a question to the listeners, and that is, has anyone tried to build or renovate their house in recent times, let alone change a tap? Um, You'll know how hard it is to get a tradesman at the minute. So being an investor who likes to smell the kitchen before I eat, if the tradies are busy, then that must be a good business. So my eye turns to John's Ling, uh, JLG, as you mentioned. Now, they're not your typical Toyota Hilux tradie per se. Um, They're a global business now with over 2,300 employees and some 14,500 subbies working for them. And uh, they've got 51 locations in the US, I believe. I was uh, reading the report this morning. Yeah, that's a growing and expanding part of the business and part of the exciting thematic uh, with regards to supporting JLG, though. Their presence and home base still remains Australia and New Zealand. But uh, yeah, that US um, story is definitely one to get excited about. And you most probably know that I always like companies with a bit of history and uh, it Mm. seems it's their 70th birthday this year. Yeah, initially started down here in Melbourne town and now a global business with five divisions um, or what they call pillars, one being insurance and building restoration services, the other strata services, they've got essential home services, disaster recovery, and now their fifth, the US business, as you described there, where they're basically trying to replicate everything they do here over there. And look, that's actually been going quite well for them. I mean, let's take the example of Hurricane Ian, which uh, last year was their first catastrophic event that they actually covered. Now, it was the third most costly weather event in US history. Um, Its subsidiary, um, JLGs that is, uh, MakeSafe, they got a lot of that uh, repair work. And really, this is only the tip of the iceberg, pardon the pun in our view, with regards to what is happening in the US. So, They've got a long-established and growing relationship with all the big insurers, particularly in Australia and New Zealand. Now, you can take your pick from state governments through to QBE, AIG, IAG, AAMI, and any other insurance acronym you can think of, basically. If we need them, they're there. They're always around the corner. They're basically servicing the entire repair space. This is a big part of the business, isn't it? Their relationship with um, insurance companies and insurance brokers and so forth. And it is a very important part. And we'll get to the risks, which we'll talk about later. But some of those risks are mitigated by the fact that no insurance partner actually makes up more than 4% of their total revenue. So notwithstanding how important they are as a key driver for the business in regards to its ongoing BAU business, as they call it, business as usual, despite how important they are, not one single insurer is the be-all and end-all, as it were. And that adds an element of defensiveness to their earnings. 
And they're growing via acquisition at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, well, not only by that, but um, also organically. But you're right, they are making some very shrewd acquisitions at the moment, which is giving them geographical reach as well as cross-selling opportunities. It made five last financial year. Um, It's made two since, and there's more to come. And they want to really serve to further consolidate that view and expand, particularly in the US. And let's face it, for smaller operators, it's tough out there. So consolidation is ripe. Now, this is actually interesting because you would think at the moment that property development was just a license to print money given what we hear in the news every day. And yet more than any other industry, property developers and restorers and the like, well, they're the ones that are more prone to going broke. So JLG operate in a challenging sector, but they have proven in my eyes that they can deliver. And the challenges that others face support their ongoing buying and the strengthening of their business. To be frank, they've been quite good at it and they have a unique model with regards to the way they acquire these businesses, which is working really well. And I don't suspect that to change anytime soon. So let's uh, dig into the the financials, Elia, and I noticed that their annual revenue growth rate is pretty impressive. You know, with the backdrop of the challenges that the sector faces leading into the latest annual result, it would have been fair for the market to think that the squeeze that many other operators had faced would flow onto them. But they took the, the <laughs> they took the demolition ball to that perception, absolutely crushing it. They grew total revenue and profit by over forty percent, and even though expenses did rise as they did for the whole sector, of course, uh, they kept them under some very tight control and margins were actually the most impressive bit of this result in my view. And how has inflation impacted their bottom line? I was reading in their annual report this morning that uh, that is something that has really had an impact in the last financial year. Yeah, but here's the thing. Margins actually improved in most of the divisions, with the exception of commercial construction, where they did fall off quite poorly. But um, they've actually forecast for margins in the BAU part of their business to improve. Now, while they don't forecast for the catastrophic events part of their business, uh, like many of the pathology businesses that we saw during COVID, last year, likewise, they actually saw an improvement in their margins. So you ask me how they're dealing with inflation, I say better than most of us at the moment, to be honest. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Are you picking shares on Gut Instinct? Buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com sfb. There's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's y.stockopedia.com sfb. It's important first to stress here that the company separates its BAU earnings from its catastrophic events earnings. So, so that's the ma- business as usual again, just to correct, that's clarify right, yeah. the jargon. 
because obviously that's much easier to predict rather than, you know, whether there's going to be a hurricane, tornado, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so there's, there's no risk in lack of risk or there's, uh, you want the, the risk of a tornado. It's <laughs> a risk of not getting that. Sorry, I'm just getting a little bit upside down there. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, if you accept the fact that so much as a cat being stuck in a tree helps earnings, then looking at that business as usual part of the business, you know, the company's been doing incredibly well. They grew their revenues and profits there for the last five years, done so consistently, uh, 31% actually most recently. And uh, this is a direct result of their strategic acquisitions and their broader reach. Now, all this manifests in a strong quality score. Um, We rate them at Stockopedia as 95 because their return on capital of over 20% and strong cash flows really helps them get up there relative to everyone else in the share market. Momentum is at 85, likewise a good score driven mainly by analyst momentum improving their forecasts for the company and the fact that the stock knocked it out of the part, beating their expectations last time around. Now, the value factor is where the stock is most challenged. They've got a rapidly rising asset book, PE of 27, EVD, but DARA 14, and their dividend yield forecast is below 2%. So it's not dirt cheap, but for a defensive business with growth aspirations, I reckon it's worth it. And at the end of the day, when you need them, you need them, much like a tradie. So Stockopedia has this company classified as a high flyer. What does that mean? Quite simply, they're high-quality businesses where there is momentum behind them. And momentum in this case with JLG is from the analyst fraternity. Um, So high flyers are companies that have those great qualities, but on the valuation side are a bit challenged. Now, JLG is actually not a disaster case in that respect. I mean, stocks like Wise Tech, ProMedicus, Technology One, they historically have traded at much higher valuations than what a JLG has. So it meets that definition of high flyer because it's high quality and momentum's behind it at the moment. But in that definition, it's not your typical um, high flyer whereby normally valuations are at nosebleed levels. Whereas with JLG, I think they're actually quite fair at the moment given what lies ahead of them. And is strata management part of that business as usual sector of the company? Yeah, it is. And actually, that's another big part of their future outlook, particularly given that there's such a strong fit relative to the services they provide everyone else. Strata management is actually one that they expect to achieve quite a bit of success from. And when I talk about further opportunities in Australia and New Zealand, it's about rolling that business out to a wider audience in the near term. So they're very excited uh, by that side of the business and they do want it to be really a cornerstone of the growth here in Australia and New Zealand, given that a lot of their catastrophic work as well as their other BAU services for insurers and the like, um, that's fairly stable because they're already top of the tree there and therefore strata management has the potential to be a good growth kicker for the business on this side and then there's that US story as well. So what's the outlook for JLG? Well, you'll be glad to know, Phil, there aren't any grey clouds on the horizon, which ironically would actually benefit JLG if you think about it. But look, they've started the new financial year with the with a record number of job registrations and work in hand. They're a defensive earnings base. Um, as I said, the insurance companies and government departments as their major clients certainly helps that. They've got growth aspirations that that are basically, you know, built on increased organic business as well as bolt-on acquisitions that they're always looking to make. That U.S. story is exciting for now, working out of Texas, California, Florida, and Colorado, 
all hotbeds of catastrophic events, of course, not that we wish for them to occur, but they're looking to eventually expand there as well. That expansion into Australia sees them growing more into Western Australia, South Australia, Northern Territory and Tasmania. They've already got quite a strong presence in Victoria, New South Wales and everywhere up to Brisbane. North Queensland, a bit more sporadic, but they can grow more there. We talked about that strata services side. They've only got 17 East Coast locations. So growing that will naturally give them an uplift in our view. Um, They've put forecast profit and revenue growth of some 20% next year, excluding those catastrophic events, which they feel will actually drop off from recent record levels of work. Um, though climate activists may very well <laughs> believe that we've actually only just begun rather than that ending. Um, but analysts actually expect better. They expect earnings and revenue to grow by around 30%. So, uh, yeah, that, that the company thinks they'll do well. Analysts think they'll do better. Um, that's basically a very good recipe there for potential success. And, of course, investors always need to look out for potential risks. One of the risks with JLG? Well, there's no risk of a shortage of work, that's for sure. It's more like you know, like us, basically finding people to do the work. So some might suggest that there is a risk that they could lose a major client. But as I mentioned earlier, the fact that no more than 4% of revenue is tied in with any one insurance company is a big plus. And also acquiring US businesses now when the Aussie dollar is weak adds to the risk of paying too much as they look to expand overseas. But if you take a long-term view, Um, Their management buy-in model, where the companies they acquire management still retain an ownership in the businesses that they sell to incentivize them to keep pushing, that's a great motivator for the long-term returns. And therefore, we feel relatively comfortable, irrespective of the fact that currency is working against them at the minute. I always remember Paul Keating's quote, um, always back self-interest. At least you know it's trying. (laughs) (laughs) That, That is very true. So any final thoughts on JLG? Oh, look, not many, Phil, but look, this is a quality business. It's improved significantly in the last period. And despite the potential cyclical nature of earnings, JLG really deserves a serious rethink in our view. Elio D'Amato, thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.